Look, we're super excited about this week's podcast. Body Science Ambassador for Happiness, Luke Mathers, is in the house. How are you, mate? Oh, mate, always excited to be at HQ. Hey, we love it when you come in. Look, you came in, you did a little bit with our team recently, and we thought, let's do a podcast on that. You're going to have a chat to us today about why we do what we do and how to change it. We're going to get curious about our habits. Let's rip in. Welcome to the Body Science Podcast. As always, the information contained in this podcast is for the information purposes only and is not designed to diagnose or be prescriptive to treat, prevent, or manage any injury, disease, or other health-related condition. Welcome to Body Science HQ, the world of fit, happy, healthy, and I'm throwing on the end Curious Habits with author Luke Mathers. You're dropping your third book. Obviously, there's good money in being an author because you keep writing them. Um, it's none of my business or anyone else's, but it's really interesting. This topic you've bought is actually, I think, the best of your three books. Oh, thanks, Greg. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's almost like having a, a favorite child. You're not meant to actually yeah, get but, too excited about one of them over the other mm-hmm. one, but I've, I've really loved the process of writing this one. It's been really good fun. And I know you've said to me, don't say that you haven't read it, but- <laughs> I won't. It's actually, I, I got one two days ago, so give me a break. But I'm I'm really keen to read this book. Like I've had a flick through some of the parts in it, especially towards the end. I thought some of the last chapters were some of the best stuff you've ever written. It's a really great process when you, when you, there's an expression you can't polish a turd. And I don't think my writing's that great, but having a, having a really good editor means that I can get the best ideas I've got out and she'll make them actually sound really good. So that's good. how, let's let's talk about writing a book for those people. Yeah. Is that how it works? Is it you, you going with your, your vomit of information yeah, and then I, someone turns that into a, a book or do you have a strategy already in place your chapters are laid out you just need someone to you know cross t's and dot i's and yeah well you do a structural edit at the start you kind yeah. of work out what you want to take someone who reads the book what you want to take them from and to yep. and with this one i wanted to them to be able to get curious about what they do and change because they want to change not because they have to yeah and i think that's the thing about curious habits a curious habit is something we we feel think and do that's no longer serving us and we all have a heap of them yep all right but every habit that we've got at some stage was helpful. It, it served a purpose it's at some stage. got us to stage. where we are. Yeah, got yep. us to where we are. There's a great line by by a coach in the States called Marshall Goldsmith that, that what got us to here won't get us to there. Absolutely. That's and gold. particularly in a business in a business sense, that, that line is just absolute gold. But it happens with everything. There's a whole bunch of things that, that really served us well at some stage in our life and we've just hung on to them forever, even when they're not serving, and they're serving us anymore. And I think if we can get curious about why we're doing some of those things, we can change them from a place of wanting to change rather than having to change. And can I ask a really dumb question here, mate, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm loaded with them. When you talk about those habits and getting curious about them, are we talking all topics in life? Are we, are we talking like we're doing this for happiness, we're doing this for success, we're doing this for goal setting, uh, or are we pulling this back into a bit of a line where it's it's got a bit of a, it sits within this category and don't leave it? Like, no. how wide is curious habits? As wide as you like. Yeah, Anything okay. you feel, think and do that's not serving. All right, so I'm I'm feeling distressed about something. Why am I feeling that? What's causing that? What are my options? One of the things we do do is we take our brain's shitty first draft at whatever, however we And it's react. renowned at giving back what it knows. Well, it? it gives back the thing that makes you safe. Yeah. We've all got a negative bias. So we've, as cavemen, the, the guy that didn't have a negative bias got eaten. So we got them passed down from thousands and thousands of years ago. So we've got a negative bias. Put that aside, deal with it. You've got it no matter what. It's part mm-hmm. of the ABCs of us. But one of the things is we can't let that negative first crack at whatever goes on be the thing that, that dictates what we do. And most of the time we do. We just go with what the, what the whatever our first response is. In the book, I talk a lot about a thing called a sea squirt. And, and a sea squirt is this tiny little larva. It's born like a larva and it swims around the ocean and it goes to it goes away from parts of the ocean where there's toxic 
toxic stuff goes towards parts where it's nice clean water and nutrients finds a place that's good then attaches itself to a rock and it eats its own brain right <laughs> this is what this animal does it's it's, it's a, you, you authors obviously have a lot of time right i actually told i actually told that story to, i just got to write down how did you work that out <laughs> <laughs> how did you find that <laughs> well it's it's one of those things that what what we actually do is we end up going towards things that are good we end up going away from things that are bad and then we don't change and we've all got this little inner c squirt in us i actually told that story at a workshop i did people in the workshop says oh yeah we've got whole departments of c squirts <laughs> they're everywhere <laughs> But we all have little sea squirt moments where that little first towards, you know, we, we avoid pain and we seek pleasure, all right? And sometimes those things don't give us our long-term goals and don't give us the things that are actually going to make us happy. Well, they're not. They're just going to make us safe. Well, they make us safe and they often give us that little bit of instant gratification. You get that this feels good right now, even though I'm going to pay for it later on and I'm, I'm not going to like what the results that I'm getting. Yeah, okay, okay. So when we're talking, we're pro- I hope we're not going off track here, but when we talk about management and people on the hustle- mm-hmm out there. So, you know, you get to a point in life where you'll try anything to get to that first level. And so your risk is high. Mm -hmm. Then when you've got, and I'm going to use some terms here, you've got the BMW and the house and and the partner and the family, you sort of start to go into a little bit of a safe zone there because you've now got things that you have to do for people. You have to continue to pay for your car. You have to continue to pay for your house. You have to continue to pay for school. So I believe there's a period where we all get a little bit safe. Mm. in that period. Do you think this curious habits is age related? This is where I'm getting with this. Is this something that people should be looking at early in life? Adopt, like it's really easy Absolutely. when you sit with young kids and they go, oh, I've got these pictures of this car I want and this, all these things I want. So that they're goal setting based on thinking happiness comes from getting a car or getting or whatever. And we, we both know that's not what creates happiness. Mm-hmm. At what stage in our life should we be looking at getting curious about our habits? Oh, from toddlers. Okay. We should be curious about our habits the whole way along. What am I getting out of this? How is it helping? Mm-hmm. The whole what we do, what we do, why we do what we do and how to change. If you're kind of aware of that, then you're going to be You've aware. You've got to have a level of self-awareness and things in yeah. place to be able to think like that, though. You, you know do. I mean? you're the not... part of your brain that does that isn't actually developed till your mid-20s anyway. And, so. and it would be something you'd have to learn and then apply. It's not something that's just going to happen to you, is it? No. People aren't going to suddenly start thinking like that. They have to have... It. Well, it's a learn. It's a learn procedure. Yeah, it's something that we, we learn how to do. And it's actually my second book was called Reset, and it was all about teenagers and how to how to get them to to speak to themselves more nicely, to yep. actually coach themselves a bit better, and to actually decrease some of the anxiety and stuff that they have. And I think if we can get into those habits when we are really young, we actually set neural pathways. Neural pathways in our brain, how our brain works, works on repetition. You know, the the neurons that fire together wire together. So the more often you have a certain thought, the stronger that pathway gets in your brain. Mm-hmm. And one of the hassles is if you start building pathways of anxiety and pathways of fear and pathways of worry, then you've now got pathway. That, that's your default that's way your to norm, go. Yeah. That's your normal way to go. One of the stories I tell in the book that has really resonated with all of my coaching clients in workshop is, I don't know if you've noticed, but between the Gold Coast and Brisbane, there's a behemoth of a motorway, the M1. And around about sort of Ormo, there's a spot where if you look out to your right as you drive into Brisbane, you can kind of see another little road that, that goes along right next door to the M1. Do you know the bit I'm talking about? No, but there's a lot of people that aren't from Brisbane. So yeah, but on. Yep. Basically, basically what the council had done is they built a new motorway right next to the old motorway. To the old highway. So yeah. the old highway used to be one lane each way I've for done a that bit. trip. It was a pain in the neck to get to university when I was a teenager. And what we've actually done is that the, the council and main roads have actually built this behemoth of a, a motorway next to it, but the old one's still there. And that's something we've got to be aware of, that that old way of thinking, the way we thought when we were teenagers and the way we thought when we were little kids, the little motorway of 
have that is still there. And But if we've got to make sure we build the one that we want deliberately, if that makes any it sense. It makes complete sense. Because one of the things um in that, the science of well-being, and I know you're doing the course too. Yep, that, we just finished that, it recently. That Yale cert that we both did, it's a short course. Probably anyone, should tell everyone about that. Cause anyone out there who just wants to have a look at, it's called the science of well-being, but it's probably more about happiness scores. To Massively, be, it's yeah. about that, about yeah. what makes us happy and what doesn't. And it's, what, eight weeks? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot of time. I highly recommend people just jump on and do that. It's been funded by some rich guy in the US who said it was the most popular course in Yale. Yeah, there's only four million people have done yeah, it. Four and million he, and two, I think, have yeah, done and it. Yeah, and two. And he said that more people should do this. They took it out of Yale and gave it to everyone. Mm. You can do it for free. Yep. Unless you want the Yale cert, then it costs a bit of money, but yep. it's still a hundred bucks or something. Yeah, Anyone out there, that's enough of that. But what I did learn with this in relation to Curious Habits, it's, it's okay to read your book and go, oh, I know I should do that, but you actually have to apply it for it to become real. And that's a big thing that I got from that course. I thought that was one of the big takes and you probably live that area so you're with it so what i want to try and step back here luke is you're saying that w- there's so many different um silos in life that we can use curious habits with so how do we apply it and yeah. that, that's what i want to that's what i want to dig into now like people can read your book curious habits but it's the whole applying it that makes it viable so how do we apply curious habits yeah it's a really good question one of the things they they talked about in that yale course was the gi joe principle yep. and the gi joe principle was basically if you know how to do something then you're halfway there. But you're but only, knowing, halfway, yeah, you're only, only halfway. halfway there, yes. Exactly. Yeah. So how do we then put things in place so that we get the whole way there? And I think when you do that, you've got to understand how habits are habits are formed. And we've known a lot about habits from a, a lot of years for a lot of years now. You know, we not go back to Pavlov and go back to Thorndike back at the turn of the last century. You know, so it's over a hundred years ago. They worked out that most habits form by having a cure or a trigger, and we can talk about that a little bit in, yep. in a bit as well. Then you have the behavior that you do, and then you have the reward that you get out of. So it's cue, behavior, reward, all right? And one of the things that happens is that we often, people talk about things triggering you. You heard that particularly with around anxiety and everything about curious habits. It's not just about eating or exercise. It's about thought habits and about feelings and stuff like that as well. And you get words like they trigger my anxiety. You've heard people I've heard that. I hear that a lot, yeah. And couple of things I hate about that sentence. One, the use of the word trigger, and they use it a lot. And when you pull a trigger on a gun, how much control over that bullet have you got after you pull the trigger? Oh, unless you're an expert, zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. Once once you pull the trigger, it's gone. All right. So when we use things like that triggers my anxiety. You mean anxiety. those movies I watch where they swing a bullet around someone? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's I don't think happen oh, wow. very often. People use phrases like it triggers my anxiety. All right. And so basically what that says is if this thing happens, it's like pulling a trigger and I don't have any control over what I do. Yep. And I'm going to push back against that because I think you do. And I think what we've got to do is tro- swap triggers for cues. You know, when you, if you're acting on stage or something like that, it's like cue, yeah, off you yeah. go. Yep. You know, your cue when you're playing pool, it's the one yep. that actually starts the process that hits the white ball, that hits the other ball. You know, we have cues all over the place. Yep. And one of the things I think with curious habits is that we sh- we need to plant the cues in our in our life that actually help us do the things we want to do and try and remove some of the cues that are perhaps triggers for the things we don't want to do. Okay. Can I ask a question here or sure. have you got a bit more to add to that? No, no. Keep going. Okay. So I'm, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a PT, 27 Mm-hmm. Doing okay. Do I now have to work out, okay, what are my triggers for happiness? What are my triggers for anger? What are my triggers for um, accountability? Do, do we yeah. do we need to document these triggers? Like, yeah, I, I don't know whether you have to write cues, them down sorry. and stuff. Like, but I, what, I, what I get to here, Luke, is what you're saying makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. And 
and I talk to a lot of people post our podcast. They go, I just love that. And they just go, I just wish I knew how to start that. And oh. I know I go on about that a lot when no, I talk about things. I'll give you a great example. Yeah, perfect. Anyone who thinks their job's boring, right? I was an optometrist for 27 years, right? I've asked which one's clearer, this one or that one, nine and a half million times. Not, wow. All right. I loved being an optometrist. That's a few pairs of glasses. Yeah, that's a lot. I saw, yeah. You've got a lot of golf clubs. <laughs> Thank you, Specsavers. I have the big house and the flash car near yeah, the beach. Yeah. All right. And I loved optometry. I hated that part of it, but I, I learned to compartmentalize that and that was okay. In the last couple of years I, of it, I really didn't want to be there. I'd written yep. a book already. I was doing workshops. I was doing the stuff that I, I felt like the gifts I wanted to give was to get out there and help the world get better at stress and get curious about their habits and things like that. I wanted to do that full yep. time, but I still owned a business. I still had to be there. I still had to be a good boss and I still had to be a good optometrist. But every day I was going into work, I was resenting it and kicking stones until I stopped and had a look in the mirror and went, okay, you know all of this stuff now, put it in practice. Yeah. And between, as I walked, I, I had a practice at Pacific Fair in, in, in Queensland, one of the shopping centers there. And there's a big doorway near City Beach, right, which is about 100 meters from my store. And what I did is I used that doorway as my cue. The moment I walked through that doorway, I'm in work mode. I have, we've talked on this podcast yep. before about Carlos, and Carlos yep. is the better version of me. Yep. All right? We talk about that in Curious Habits as well. That I walked through that doorway, and that was my cue to be Carlos. And Carlos is curious, creative, and generous. They're my, they're they're my identity goals. Yep. That's who I want to be. And so in that 100 meters between City Beach and my shop, I how am I going to be curious about finding the best solutions for my patients, creative about finding best ways to get you know the, the best out of my team and generous with my time and my energy to every person I meet in that day. Lovely. And the moment I had that 100 meters to go from kicking stones and not wanting to ask which one's clearer, number one or number two, I got in the right mindset. I walked into work. G'day, everyone. How are you? I was a great leader again. I was a great clinician. And I... I did my job well and actually enjoyed it. I didn't really want it to be there. I had other things I wanted to do. But the moment I connected with the best version of me, I could go in there and do it. So what we've got to learn to do is put the cues in place that make us connect with what the best version of us is and then how does that version turn up every day. So nice. we can plant those cues. You should create an app that people can actually put their thought processes into and actually come up with their purpose and vision. And it's funny, like we do it for our companies, like all yeah, of our companies do. have it. You know, we got it on the wall here. I can walk around the office and everyone can tell us what our purpose is. Mm -hmm. But I bet you if I said, what's yours? Mm -hmm. They go, oh, hang on, let me have a think about that. You yeah. know, it's, and that's probably, I don't know, is that something we should be curious about? Massively. It's a yeah. big, it's a big part of this and it actually helps a lot. And we've talked before about finding Carlos and finding mm -hmm. Carlos is a process I do in both workshops and, and it's my favorite thing to do with a with a coaching client we usually do it on the first session and basically what it is is i think we have a hierarchy of goals you talked before about the kids having a, a, a picture of a car they really want yep. and stuff like that i actually think we're mistakenly putting that sort of stuff on the top of our hierarchy of goals and i think it's got to be a run or two below and i think the top of it needs to be what sort of human do i want to uh, be absolutely all right. And if I, the type of human I want to be is to me, it's curious, creative, and generous. Yeah. I actually tell a story. I hope she doesn't mind about your daughter in this book. And I was meant to change the name and they didn't change it, unfortunately. But does she know um, that? She does. I told her the other day. She was okay. <laughs> but we did, we did it with her. And Summer was struggling for a little while. You, you'd remember she she's didn't really want to go I out. I love her to death. She's the smartest person, the most beautiful kid, but she had no off button when it came to how good she thought she needed to be. Yeah. And I'm probably a dead dad now, everyone out there. So all your fathers out there, just put your head down for me for a second. I'm in trouble. But but Summer and I did did finding Carlos. Hmm. 
And what we came up with with Summer was she was brave and determined. And if you know your wife, you know where she got that from. All right. But she she was really struggling with social anxiety. She wanted everyone else to be perfect when she went out. And she was going out with newly minted adults that are going to get on the piss. They're going to do stupid shit. They're going to mess things up. And she's chasing other goals. Yeah, she's chasing other. But she also also was looking at that saying, don't do that, don't do that, and, and worrying and panic about it. Hated that. So then didn't go out and turned into a hermit for a few months. We did finding Carlos and her finding Carlos phrase was she wanted to be brave and determined with a thoughtful acceptance. Nice. All right. So once she decided that the best version of her was brave and determined with a thoughtful acceptance, when her friends did stupid shit, it it might have triggered her in the past to want to sort of go away and, oh, I don't want to be near this. But once she connected with the best version of herself that had a thoughtful acceptance, she was okay with it. Yeah. And all of that anxiety just went away. It went away instantly. And all of a sudden she connected with her friends again. She didn't mind if they weren't perfect because that's okay. They don't need to be. And she kind of started to push back when she found that perfectionist thing coming up. She started wrestling with that as well. And I think perfectionism is probably one of one of the best curious habits around. It's mm. useful until it's fine. Yep. You know, attention to detail is really, really useful. Being a perfectionist is basically a way of doing your best so that no one can pick on you. It's based in fear. Yeah, okay. All right? Perfectionism is based in fear. Okay. If I can look perfect, act perfect, get perfect marks, have everything perfect, no one can say anything bad about me and I'm okay. What if you're just okay anyway? You know what I mean? Perfect, perfectionism is that. It, it's based in fear. Brene Brown calls it carrying around a 20-ton shield. It might keep you safe, but you're carrying around a 20-ton shield. Yeah. And that's kind of what perfectionism is. It's... If I can do everything perfect, then I'm okay. And one of the one of the real things I want to get across in Curious Habits is what if you're okay anyway, but you still want to strive from a place of being okay? And I think if we can learn to do that, a lot of our Curious Habits are going to go away. I think we have this idea that if I don't have these real goals that are pushing me all the time, I've got to lose 3.8 kilos and I've got to, I've got to this. And what it does, it almost puts happiness on the other side of the horizon. I call them horizon habits, that mm. I'll be happy when, Absolutely. when this happens. Yep. And we we talk a lot in this. I, I interviewed a really cool, cool guy called Josh Dodes, who's a psychotherapist from Pennsylvania. I wrote a really good article that was that was in the Harvard Business Review, I think. And I contacted him and thought, you know, I, I really like this thing. He has a thing called unhappy achievers. And an unhappy achiever is a person that has to achieve certain goals. When he gets that goal, she's then got to look at what the next goal is and we've got to move on to that. Yep. And what they do is they an unhappy achiever will attach their self-worth to whether they're achieving their goals or not. The moment they stop achieving their goal, their self-worth goes down the toilet. It kind of sounds familiar. You, you can re- think about five or six people straight away yep. who have that same thing. And I kind of, I've experienced that myself a little bit, that sort of, you know, if I have the number one store in the country, then I'll be happy. If I don't have to go to work anymore, I'll be happy. Like I retired for the first time at 31 and thought my life was, that's going to be bed and roses and everything's going to be great from then on. And I was miserable within about a year because yep. I didn't have anything to strive for. So we kind of get really worried that we're going to get apathetic and bored and not do anything. And I don't think that's the way humans are. I think we're always going to try and strive, Mm. but we can't try and strive if we're afraid of perfection and we can't strive if we're attaching our our results to our self-worth. Hi, I'm Tom Green, Olympic champ from Tokyo. And if you want the best tasting protein bars on the market, you should try the new Body Science Moose range. Greg, you better be testing those. Mate, they're getting drug tested, got you covered. So if I want to start thinking about curious habits, what do I do? I think the first thing is is getting contact with what what your identity goals are, what sort of human do you want to be and how. Two to three of those. 
What's that? Usually two, two to three. three of those. Yeah. Um, yeah, most of the time. Is there time. somewhere people can go that you've got something they can look at? Do you have a form or they can play? Or do you have a downloadable sheet or anything? Yeah, if you go to lukemathers.com.au, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a there's a thing called Finding Carlos on there. Okay, cool. So you can yeah. actually you can actually download a PDF of that. You can fill it in yourself. Fill it in and play the game a bit. Yeah, yep. you can play Sweet. it. It's actually it's something that you need to do with someone else. And if people do want to reach out to you and, and have some, do you do one-off coaching, yeah. one, that type yeah. of thing? You do that type of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So how do they get you? I uh, just go to lukemathers.com.au okay, and cool. um, yeah, fill in the form on there and you can get me. Um, You're mainly doing a lot of corporates these days though, aren't you? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, business, a lot of businesses love it because what, what we do is we uh, we actually do finding Carlos. So we go in and I'll, I'll get- In front of each other? Yeah, well, what we do is normally get the boss up the front. Is it a private thing, finding Carlos, or is it something you tell people? You usually tell people, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you, you, there's things you're proud of. I yeah. want to be that. And what, what I often do is get the boss out the front and the boss and I will do it together. And it's a really good opportunity for whoever's the leader. You know, she might get up and tell the story of, you know, this person I met here and this is why I, I admired their traits. Yep. And then we ask them a time when she was at her best and she'll say all the things that she was like at a certain time and certain challenges came her way. And one of the beauties of that from a, a worker point of view is then they can sort of say, wow, I, I kind of, I get how Greg is, how Greg is now from all of those things I just learned and what things he finds important, yep. which is a really good yeah, thing cool. for a, for a morale and I group didn't do dynamics. it as a team building thing but as a group dynamic thing it's really good and then what we do is we send people off as pairs and you know there's usually two or three of us that will go around and help each other find the right words and and they'll all come back with an alter ego mm-hmm. and they'll all come back with it with their sort of it's almost like Craig Duncan's deathbed scorecard they'll come yeah. back with their three words that you know they'd like to have on their tombstone someone if I got hit by a bus tomorrow and you know you stood up and did my eulogy and said I was curious creative and generous would you use words like that for me absolutely because you would have a massive wake on if I was organising it. <laughs> yeah, it probably would. Most generous person on the Gold Coast <laughs> at that day. But, but mate, that's exactly you're right. Like I'm taking the piss out of you, but that's that that is so true. That is you as a human, and I mean that's why you sit now ha- as our happiness ambassador here at work. You do a lot with the team here at work. I'm a bit off track here, but we did something really cool up when you came in. What was it two weeks ago? Three mm-hmm. weeks ago, and you did the different um, ways to approach an issue. Yep. So you did the magpie. Different, way, different <laughs> ways to do feedback. Um, yeah. I, I better do a hat tip to Georgia Merch here, who's a friend of mine yeah. who who owns a company. Called can we talk? Yeah. And Georgia came up with with three different ways to give feedback. And you can give feedback as a magpie. Magpie <laughs> swoops in, pokes <laughs> someone on the head, and then buggers off. Loved it. You can give feedback as a mouse, and a mouse will kind of not give much feedback at all. And if it does, they'll they'll sort of hide it in underneath. Yep. The whole, yeah, not really give much feedback at all. Yep. I chucked in. You could do it like a monkey, and that's when you get sort of passive aggressive and say things that are a little bit snarky that, that you can back away from. And I you think mean that's, like the monkeys when you go to Bali and you walk through the monkey? Yeah, they're going to grab anything. They can. And, yeah, yeah, they'll they'll do things that are just a little bit sneaky. Yep. You know, quite often people might give feedback in a way that's just a little bit sneaky that they could back out of it if they had to. Yep. And I think that's a little bit spineless. I think if you've got feedback to give, give it and give it with the right intent. So are you saying be a magpie, a mouse, or a monkey? Well, that the last one is being a meerkat. And a meerkat. meerkat number four is meerkat. Yeah. yeah. The meerkat is, if you ever watch a meerkat, they're amazing. They'll sit there and they'll look in four different directions and they'll keep looking out to make sure everyone's safe. And it's everyone's job to look around to make sure everyone's safe and everyone has a voice and everyone's listened to. And I think if we can, particularly in businesses, if we can be more like meerkat and less like magpies and monkeys and mice, I think we're actually going to be able to give feedback. One of the one of the last chapters in this is actually about dodging difficult conversations. Yeah. And again, I, I talk about Georgia Merch and she's because she's a guru. But one of the things that we quite often do, and one of the big things, because you know, a lot of stuff I do is about stress, is dodging a difficult conversation is actually just leaving a rock in your stress bucket. You've got this thing that's just, it's like having a splinter stuck in your hand yep. and it hurts, but it's 
going to hurt to get it out, but it's going to really hurt to leave it there. So the advice that that Georgia gave in this is have the conversation, but make sure you're really clear on your intent. That's the important The intent. People will, she uses the expression that people will hear your content, they'll hear the words that you say, but they'll smell your intent. So if you're doing it to put someone down, if you're doing it to make yourself rise up bigger, if you're doing it to make yourself If you're an upline with an ego, it's not. Yeah. yeah. If you're doing it with the wrong intent, people are going to smell it. All right. So be clear about your intent and have the conversation. It's pulling the splinter out. Nice. Now, there's no point sitting there and resenting something, someone for certain behavior. Yeah, another another um, mentor of mine, Danny Ginsberg, has this thing that if one of your direct reports isn't doing something well and you're getting frustrated by it, do they know? Have That's you told a good them? question. That is a really good question. Does that person know that they're upsetting People you? People have a lot of thing? arguments in their head before they get to that point. Exactly. Right. And that's a curious habit. And you've got to remember too, the more of those arguments we have in our head, God, we're rewiring our brain. We're working with a peer and they're driving us nuts. Mm-hmm. And so in our head, we've um, we've killed them, we've blown them up, we've spoken to them, we've punched them. All the, you know, Or we've rehashed the same conversation your, your 20 bra- and times Your in brain our head. is very, very clever at making it sound better than it really is. Because you had a you had that stat for me once. You said, "Sure, it was something like seventy six percent of things that you think will happen actually don't happen, or something." Yeah, eighty five percent of things you yep. think you worry about yep. Yep. don't happen. Twelve mm. percent of them happen and don't actually have the bad re- bad reaction that you thought they would. Yep. And only three percent of them happen and have the negative consequences. And so we can take a lot of that stress out just by having the conversation, and but putting the intent in the beginning of it. Yeah, as Mate, to why being, we're being really being really clear with ourself about our intent first yep. like it, it's easy to go oh, i say there. so you do it to yourself before do it to you yourself do, yep. first why is that bothering me you know the the one we talked about in reset was catch weight and reset mm-hmm. catch the catch the thing that's pissing you off catch the physical feeling that's going on weight is what am i thinking and reset is control alt delete what can i control what can i change what do i need to get rid of so you can kind of do that to yourself first and then you've got the right intent is i'm going to have this conversation with greg because the thing that Greg's doing with this is causing these other problems and Greg might not know about that. So let's have the conversation. Let's pull the splinter out and then we're together we can work out how to go on. And I think feedback, we kind of think of it like the magpie. You go in there and give it and bugger off. But feedback should be like a dance or a game of tennis. We should be able to go back and forth and hear the other person's point of view and throw throw the little nuances and things back at us and be able to have a dance with it. Yeah, nice. I don't think we do that very well as a society. I don't think we I don't think we give feedback well and I definitely don't think we receive it well. Yeah, fair point. So why we do what we do and how to make change curious habits by Luke Mathers will be available for download from from where, Luke? From Amazon. Amazon. Amazon from 1st of July. 1st of July. So get on 1st of July and download Curious Habits. It'll be great. Sounds like a good book. I'll know in a couple of days.